we are in an interlude uh, week. We did a couple of these uh, throughout the year as we are sort of pausing on our uh, series that we've been doing. Uh, because, of course, we're, we're going to resume next week our series on judgment and last things. I think, I think next week's is heaven, and then uh, we're going to finish out the year in that sort of vein. Uh, and, of course, this week is Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday of the year. Why? Because it's not really about Thanksgiving. What is it really about? Food. It's a food holiday. We all understand that, right? It's a food holiday. Uh, the, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's great and all. But it's really about the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the stuffing. Do you guys ever eat stuffing other than Thanksgiving? There's all these random foods that we just eat on Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's, it's a holiday with good intentions that has sort of devolved, like many holidays, really. Uh, it's amazing how many of our holidays and culture all become about food. And really, when you think about Thanksgiving as a holiday, it's kind of a weird idea, right? That we would have like one day that's devoted to Thanksgiving. We just got to have, oh, okay, because the implication is what? That the rest of the year, you're just going to be greedy, I guess, or you're just going to be ungrateful. Because Thanksgiving is not just a one-day thing. It's an important concept all throughout the Bible, right? It's not just about one day a year. It's kind of interesting. We've, we've gone through these words. A lot of these words, heaven is what we're going to do next week, and, and the idea of hell, and judgment, and hope, and resurrection. These are the things we're going to do in the, in the next few weeks. There's an imbalance in a lot of these words, but not with Thanksgiving. It is an idea, a concept that is pretty well balanced between the Old Testament and the New Testament, just even if you just do a word search. So as we think about Thanksgiving, not as a holiday, but as a, a thing that the Bible both exemplifies and commands and desires, what is Thanksgiving and how should it be expressed? Now, I chose the reading, First uh, Chronicles 16, an interesting idea that this is, again, not a New Testament thing. This is just a conceptualization of Thanksgiving that has been since the beginning of time because God is who he is, and thanksgiving flows out of his identity and action. First Chronicles 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wondrous works that he has done, and his miracles and the judgments that he uttered. Now, if it weren't for this last line, this would not be out of place throughout the New Testament, right? You could plop this down in any book of the New Testament. This last line, of course, really gives us the context here. Oh, offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. And, you know, as an expression of thanksgiving, this is David uh, making this song of thanksgiving after the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. And, and they've brought the Ark back and he's had victories in battle and he's sort of singing this song and having this great celebration about what God has done. But fundamentally, Mentally, this expression of thanksgiving could be applied at any time in God's people. This could, you could, Adam and Eve could have had this song. Ooh, that's very exciting. Nice train sound there. Uh, Job could have uttered this song. Now, then he had a period of time where he probably didn't feel like it, but then he's blessed at the end, right? He could have uttered this song. Abraham could have uttered this song at any number of point in his life. The apostles easily could have sang this song, right? We could sing this song. She gave me a little wave. In fact, we, I kind of wish that we would make this a song that we would sing. Psalm 107, verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving 
and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Now, in the Old Testament, there are numerous references to this idea of sacrifices of thanksgiving, not as like a symbolic thing, but literally a sacrifice, a, a, an animal sacrifice or an oil or, a, you know, there's different various levels of sacrifices, but that you would bring to the temple, not as atonement, not as a means of forgiveness, but you'd bring to the temple for the priest to offer as an expression of thanksgiving. And we're not going to read these verses. You can look at them if you want to later on in Leviticus and Chronicles and Psalms and Amos. This idea of sacrifices, not just as part of the system of sacrifices for forgiveness and atonement, but that you are offering these sacrifices as thanksgiving. And we look at these two verses, both of these, of course, connected closely to David. The sacrifices, yeah, that's, that's one thing, but and expressing it a lot in what? Song, in prayer and song. Again, very similar to what we do. It's not like this is some new thing, something that is very different than what has gone on throughout the history of God's people. God's people have always recognized that God deserves praise because of what he has done. And as we come to the New Testament, we understand Thanksgiving not as a system of sacrifice that we offer this sort of bull or goat or whatever. We understand that's done, but we understand it by what it replaces. Thanksgiving should replace some things in our lives. Ephesians 5 verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead what? Let there be thanksgiving. Thanksgiving instead of what? Well, what do we see here? In thanksgiving instead of foolish talk, crude joking, instead of impurity, sexual immorality, covetousness. Now, most directly, thanksgiving is opposed to covetousness, right? Covetousness is what? Well, I see what you have, and I want what you've got, and I want your thing, and, and you know, covetousness ultimately leads to, in, in practical application, theft, contrasted with thanksgiving. I see what you want, and I want it. That's covetousness. Or what? I recognize what I have, and I am grateful for it. That's thanksgiving. It is a replacement for that idea. Philippians 4, verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a sequence here. What leads to the peace of God? Well, the thing that leads to the peace of God is two things. In everything, you're asking God for help, and in everything, you're thanking God for what he's done. Those two things are the things that lead to peace that passes all understanding, contrasted with what? Well, in the previous verse, it was covetousness, it was foolish talk, it was crude joking, it was filthiness. In this verse, what is Thanksgiving replaces? It replaces anxiousness. Covetousness is I see what you've got and I want it. Anxiousness is what? Some situation in my life that I don't know how it's going to resolve. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it could be made better. Maybe I need something. Maybe I wish something was gone. Maybe I'm, I'm asking for some sort of help in some sort of difficulty. But what replaces that anxiousness is thanksgiving. The recognition of what God has already done for me. And how does that help me with anxiety, with anxiousness? If I recognize what God has already done for me, there is a, an, uh, an implicit understanding that he will continue to do good for me in the future, which is what would alleviate my anxiety. Put in simplest terms, thanksgiving is gratitude expressed as praise. In the First Chronicles and Psalms, very directly praise. 
Uh, we can think about this in prayer or in song or just in speaking, right? That would be prayer, just speaking to the Lord. To be thankful then we must what? We must be aware of God's goodness and his actions. This is kind of the sticking point, right? If we're not aware of those things, we're not thinking about those things, these things need to be in our conscious minds often. You need, I like the song Count Your Blessings, that, the song that Greg led at the beginning or before the sermon. Really count your blessings, literally Think about, have them in your mind often, the things that God has done for you. That's the prerequisite to be thankful, right? Is to not only be aware, to know about those things, but then to think about those things often. If you are not thinking about what God has done for you, you're not going to be thankful. It's pretty simple, really. But it's not just about thinking about them. It's about expressing how those things make us feel about God and expressing them to him. Telling him how awesome he is. Thanks for doing that. And then not just to him, but one of the things that the Psalms passage in the First Chronicles passage really brings out is thankfulness is not just me directing that toward God, but then directing it towards others. I will tell of what you have done. I will sing your praises in the congregation, he says in another place. Thanksgiving is not just I say thank you to God, but Thanksgiving is I talk about what God has done for me around other people. But if we're not thinking about those things, then we can't be thankful for them. And again, we've already seen that Thanksgiving takes many forms. Prayer and song is the most obvious. And I don't know, it's, it, different people are different, I guess. One of the things I sometimes like to ask, do you ever sing to God outside of the assembly? Different people are going to have different answers to this. Some people I know do often, some people don't. But you know, you think about you're just going about your daily life. How often do you sing to God? We sing songs in the shower. The shower, I don't know, the shower is like a magical place where everybody has a great voice because of, the, I guess, the acoustics and because we're alone and nobody can judge us. You know, you're singing your pop songs, your rock songs or whatever. How often do you sing Thanksgiving songs? Just in your daily life, everyday life. Now, we can think about it not just in singing, but praying, right? The, the idea of prayer, sometimes we get into this mode of prayer that it's just, I'm going to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. Please help me, please help me, please help me, please help me. But in your average daily prayer, what percentage of things is request, supplication, and what percentage of things is thankful, right? Or an expression of praise to God for something that he has done. Now, the sacrifices in the Old Testament point us to something else. That thanksgiving is not just a verbal thing, but it is an action. An action that in the Old Testament would take some effort, right? You're going get to the, get the thing. You're going to bring it to the priest. The priests are going to do the thing. Well, you know, the, all the different steps involved in that. The sacrifice implies to us in the new covenant with the sacrifices are gone, right? The literal sacrifices. That this is not just going to be a verbal expression, but something more than that. Indeed, thanksgiving is not a one-time temporary thing. It should become your very state of being of thankfulness. A lot of verses talk about giving thanks always, Ephesians 5.18. Again, we see a replacement here that Thanksgiving is replacing something else. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another. Again, notice it's not just to God, but to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, more simply put, 
Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, he goes on and says a number of other things. Do not quench the Spirit. I really want to hone in on that for a minute. One of the ways that we quench the Spirit is we stop being thankful. Stop expressing gratitude. We stop recognizing and having in our minds constantly the good things that God has done for us. That will lead us to quench or suppress the work of the Spirit in our lives. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught the word abounding, abounding in thanksgiving. That it's not, you're not stingy with it. You know, some people are stingy with, with praise. Uh, you can think about people who never, and maybe you know people like this, maybe it's people in your life, in your family, who, who they just never say thank you. They just, you know, maybe it's kids, maybe it's parents, maybe it's coworkers, whatever. That you're doing stuff for people, you're, you're, you're helping them out, you're being kind. And they just, they just never ever say thankful. Thank you. You, you know people like that. Maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you're the person like that. Maybe you're the person everybody complains about all the time. He just never says thank you. That, that can be how we are with God, right? He's constantly doing things for us. And we just sort of get stingy and, and never think to say thank you. As opposed to what? Here in Colossians, abounding in thanksgiving. That I'm expressing thanks to God, not sparingly, but all the time. So much so that maybe I think God's going to get sick of it. He's not, right? But that, that level of expressing thanksgiving, it should become core to who we are. Now, of course, in good times, but what did he say in Thessalonians? Give thanks in all circumstances. Including the circumstances that you don't like very much including the circumstances where it's hard to be thankful. Because even in those circumstances, are there things to be thankful for? Even in times of extreme difficulty, is there still reason to praise and express gratitude to God? Yeah, there is. If for no other reason, this is the bare minimum, then your salvation persists in times of difficulty. There's never a situation where there's nothing to be thankful for because presumably you're looking forward to heaven. I can be thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus at all times. Now, this is not to say that we should always be uttering a prayer of thanksgiving. Don't crash your car because you're constantly consciously praying. That's not what we're saying here, right? The idea that we're always, you know, just going throughout the day constantly. Um, people would think you're an insane person. You're just constantly muttering under your breath. That's not what we're saying. Rather, we should be able to express gratitude to God no matter what's going on in our lives. No matter what's happening, in any circumstance, in all circumstances, in, what did he say? We'll go back to it. He said, giving thanks always and for everything. There's an element of even thanking God for difficulty. What does James say? Count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Why? Knowing that the, I can't think of the phrase now, I just lost it, tested Something about testing your faith, right? The genuineness of your faith being demonstrated through the testing. In that case, I could be thankful for what? Thank you for giving me opportunity to prove myself. Thank you for giving me opportunity to strengthen my faith. Thank you for giving me opportunity to rely more on you, even in trials, counting it joy. So when we think about thanking God, having this constant attitude of thanksgiving, the question, of course, naturally becomes, is this an easy thing to do? And of course it's not. It's not easy to have this sort of constant mode of thanksgiving. 
Because the default is what? The default is I'm going to be thinking about my problems. I'm going to be having that idea of supplication. The default is I'm going to be a little bit selfish or I'm going to have a little bit of anxiety, right? These things that we talk about Thanksgiving replacing. This is a thing that requires, that word that I always come back to, some intentionality. That I'm going to develop, intentionally develop the habits of being thankful. Now, a couple of ways you can do this. What are we going to do to, to make this happen in our lives? Well, number one, as the song says, count your blessings. I would encourage you, if you're not in the habit of it, maybe once a week, maybe once a day, if you're feeling particularly ambitious, literally make a list. Just make a list of the things that are good that God is doing for you in your life right now. Whatever it is, I, it's going to be different for everybody. There's going to be some commonalities, but just make a list. Either every day or every week. These are the things that God has done that are good that I should be thanking him for. Uh, another thing that you could do is with your family. Ask each other, hey, what are you thankful for today? What, what, is a, what is a thing that God has done that's good for you today? Just ask, you know, be more intentional about establishing a habit of thanksgiving. And as you do that more, it will seek seep into your mind that you'll be thinking about that more throughout the day. Now, I want to conclude by emphasizing how constantly being thankful can impact two particular areas of our life. The first one is our relationship with the church, right? As we're thinking about being thankful for the church, one of the things that Paul does a lot at the beginning of his letters, it's not just Paul, but the beginning of the letters of the New Testament is an expression of thanks. Ephesians 1.15, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. 1 Thessalonians 1, We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work and faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says it again in the, the second Thessalonian letter. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. What is right? It is right to be thankful for the church. It is right. Just take a moment. Don't look at me. Look at the other people. Stop looking at me. Look at, look at the people in the room. Nobody's doing it. Look at each other right now. This is not an optional. This is a command. Look at one another. When was the last time you thanked God for the people that you're looking at? Not me. Stop looking at me. Keep looking at one another. Have you ever thanked God for the other people in this room? What does Paul say? We ought... We are supposed to, we should give thanks to God for other Christians. It is right to do that. Now, we can acknowledge, we can acknowledge simultaneously a couple of different things. We can acknowledge that Christians are imperfect, we make mistakes, we fight. You know, you look around and maybe you look at somebody and you look across the aisle and you think, oh, that person, he owes me $20 or whatever it is, I don't know. Right? We understand. We're imperfect. We, we make mistakes. We have conflict sometimes. We can acknowledge in a more general sense that the church as a whole, not just our congregation, but in general, is not always good at being the light of the world. It is easy to focus on hypocrisy and the difficulties and the things that we're doing that aren't good. We can acknowledge that those things exist, but we can't let the sins of God pe God's people let make us forget a few things. There's a couple of things that if I'm always honing in on your mistakes and your flaws and your difficulties and your struggles, I'm going to forget a couple of things. Number one, how easy would it be to follow God's truth by yourself? 
Now, a couple of things that stand out here. There's the idea of living it out in the world, but there's a more basic level of maybe if you're by yourself, you just wouldn't understand God's truth, right? We need each other to help us understand what God's truth is. How easy would it be to evangelize if you were alone? You're the only one that has to do it. You're the only one that is in charge of, of talking to other people. Now, there are, don't get me wrong. There are people in the world where they have to do this. But for most of us, I think we are grateful that it's not just me. Now, maybe I'm the only one. Or maybe you're not evangelizing, and I'm not thankful for you evangelizing because you're not doing it. Or maybe, I don't know. How easy would it be to remain faithful without encouragement? Encouragement in what? Well, encouragement because you got some sort of disease or difficulty or struggle. Or encouragement because you failed. And you were discouraged about your lack of success, your lack of faithfulness. But what does the Hebrew writer say? To encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. To stir up one another to love and good works. It is easy to let focusing on all the flaws that you have, that I have, and forget that without you, I probably would not be succeeding as a Christian. Without the other people in this room, you would probably not be succeeding as a Christian. We need to be thankful for one another. How often do you thank God for other Christians versus complaining about all the bad things they do? Because you can have both of those in your mind, understanding we need to admonish and correct, at the same time being thankful for the very person that we're admonishing and correcting. I'm thankful that there are people to admonish and correct, as opposed to people who have no interest in serving God and doing his will. The second thing, 2 Corinthians 4.13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, so we believe and we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for, your, for his, their sake. His, the things that Paul had to go through, the things the evangelists had to go through, the ministers had to go through in the first century, the floggings and the stonings and being run out of town and the persecutions, right? It's all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. This is one of the more interesting verses about Thanksgiving because it sort of views Thanksgiving as sort of this pool, this, this, this thing that exists that as we evangelize, it, it increases more, right? As grace extends to more people, the total level of Thanksgiving becomes more. Why? Well, in large part, simply because there's more people giving thanks. One of the things that evangelism does, one of the ways that it glorifies God is that it increases the total amount of thanksgiving that he receives. Because more people are around to give him thanks. We keep going in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Why do they not lose heart? Because we're doing this for you. We're doing this so that more people can receive grace. We're doing this so that more thanksgiving will be given to God. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this I love this phrase, this light momentary affliction. I know I was stoned and almost died. I know I was shipwrecked. I know I was run out of several towns. But it, you know, I always think of the Monty Python thing. Tis but a flesh wound, right? It's, it's this light momentary affliction. It totally doesn't matter. It's inconsequential compared to what? The eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Comparing your struggles at work to the eternal glory is ridiculous. 
comparing your struggles with disease, as horrible as that may be, to the eternal weight of glory is ridiculous. The things that we go through in this life are a light, momentary affliction. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. The things that we go through in this life are transient. They're temporary. They're, they're just sort of, they're there one moment and gone the next. And even if it lasts 60 years, 80 years, 100 years, not many of us have lived to 100, compared to eternity, it is a vapor, as Ecclesiastes would say. If you want to be a thankful person, this is the mindset you must adopt. How often do you think about things that are eternal versus things that are transient? Again, Thanksgiving begins with what? Thanksgiving begins with acknowledging and being aware of and thinking about the things that God has done for us. That's how Thanksgiving begins. We have to have in our minds in a consistent way, what God has done for his people that will lead us then to the expression of that gratitude and praise and thanksgiving. The things that are transient, the things of this life, ultimately, if we dwell on them, will pull us away from thanksgiving. Which is why it's so ridiculous that we have a holiday that's thanksgiving, isn't it? Because it implies that we're going to be thankful on this day, and then the rest of the day is uh, whatever. Every day should be a day of thanksgiving for us. For those who are God's people, who know what God has done for us, who are, who are beneficiaries of the death of his son, every day is a day of thanksgiving, a day of gratitude, a day of expressing praise. And so I would encourage you this week, again, two things. One, make a list either every day or at least, at least once a week, make a list of what God has done. Not, not the general things. Now, we understand, right, the death of Jesus, that's great and all those things. We, we need to be thinking about those. But make a list of specifically what's going on in your life. What has God done for you that maybe he hasn't done for other people? And then what? Get in the habit of expressing that every day, either in prayer or in song or as a family or individually, whatever you're going to do, but get in the habit of expressing those things every day. And what's, what you're going to find is this attitude. The more you give thanks, the more the struggles of this world seem like a light momentary affliction. Your, tr your perspective will shift as you continue to think about the things that God has done for you.